Blog Talk Radio. Reports keep coming in from all over the globe, confirming it as true. To say that the world is in a state of shock this morning would be to understate the situation. The event seems to have taken place at the same time all over the world, just about 25 minutes ago. Suddenly and without warning, literally thousands, perhaps millions of people just disappeared. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, dispelling all the cunningly devised fables about the rapture. For he is coming. He who sitteth upon the throne is coming. And he will rattle your cage.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune this week. This May the 19th, 2019. We're going to have quite a mix-up episode tonight. Uh, just going to talk about end time topics, of course. Um, who knows what we're going to cover? Uh, probably whatever comes across Brian and I's plates, I guess. But uh, Thames is going to be crashing our party, I guess. And uh, I've sent out another uh, invite. Somebody's already on the switchboard. Uh, so he can step on too if he'd like to. Uh, but. Uh, we're just going to talk about the entire end time gambit. So, uh, Brian, um, you know, it's been a while since we just got together and uh, did a roundtable type of discussion. Just cover the topics, talk about what everybody, you know, don't talk about. Um, did you have anything you wanted to start with? Anything in particular? Off the top of my head, oh boy, I don't know, I mean there's uh, about a billion different things that have gone down just in this last week alone that are, I would say of utmost importance, but are of course being interpreted through the atypical wrong lens, so uh, that's a bit of a loaded question I would say. Well, I mean, there's not going to be any loaded questions today, Um if you want to talk about that, uh, let's go right ahead because, uh, well, I, I mean, you know, I just uh, talked with somebody late this afternoon. Uh, they'd heard me say a couple of things. I'd never talked to them before. Uh, once again, uh, this is twice here recently, somebody from the United States, and uh, they were really quite disturbed uh, that I had said publicly that most of your eschatology comes from, well, two films. And uh, I think on that episode I had the list of the dates, and they realized that this was a set of seven different films that had spanned uh, the same amount of time. And they realized that, well, once they sat down and considered, I guess they had a long talk with their wife about it, and they realized I was right, and they got bothered, I guess, because one of the posts somewhere I'd mentioned that uh, Damien mentioned in uh, The Final Conflict, he said the word rapture twice, and it was very bad connotations. Uh, he was wanting uh, the human race to uh, enjoy, of course, uh, Satan's rapturous uh however you'd like to describe it. And I guess he had went ahead and had his wife find the script and looked it up, and it was true. And the thing about the jackal that I brought out in broad daylight, he was very disturbed by that. He was like, oh, my goodness, I, I went ahead and checked it. And he said he'd never checked the Greek before, but he did exactly what he said you said. I know I've said it several times, but he actually went to the library. Uh, he said like uh, you advised to do. And actually uh, couldn't get the complete Strongs from his library, so he asked to get it through interlibrary loan and looked it up, and, well, it was an exact amundo. Every reference in the New Testament <laughs> concerning the Antichrist, it is in reference to the Antipode to the Holy Spirit, not Christ. And, well, it kind of bothered him. I looked it up, and 
you're right. No Antichrist gets thrown into the lake of fire. And um, I guess his wife went through the references for the simple fact that they changed the same exact word in the old translations. That was dragon. They changed that into jackal. And uh, I guess she was pretty upset by that. They went back. They had forgotten that, that Damien's mother was a jackal. Uh, but it's all right there, and it's all just uh, complete fiction, complete entertainment. Um, and I guess they're still at work looking at the first uh, entrance into the English vernacular of the word rapture. Of course, they can't. They're not going to. I, mean, I, just, I studied that uh, back when uh, I was in an institution of higher learning. The event horizon for that English word is Shakespearean plays. That's where it comes from. Uh, you have no prior written reference to it. So they were pretty disturbed by that, Brian. So, you know, it's 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 apropos that you would put it that way, that uh, everybody's looking in the wrong directions. And when you take a precursory scan of what other uh, so-called end-time watchmen – are actually declaring it's really quite disturbing because you're looking down on a ballroom that has fallen into a blitz. Uh, they're literally running around, bumping into each other. It, it, well, it, it's just like going to a circus and uh, getting on one of the bumper car rides. That's what it's like. Um, so, you know, it's 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 very important that, that we do talk about some of those things that people just they have no clue where to look. I mean, you know, we just shared with the whole world that uh, the Prince of Persia is not over Iran, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, matter of fact, the Iranian people. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, that's a vast swath of territory. Um, and I guess even some of our own Ecclesia, Brian, was, was surprised when I pointed out the other day that, well, the Prince Asher is actually over quite a few countries. Those are just counties in his country, and uh, that was kind of shocking to them to realize that, well, oh my goodness, yeah, Matthew is – Matthew's right because – all those countries south of the Caucasus Mountain Range, uh, down to the headwaters uh, there of the Tigris and Euphrates. Well, yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's quite a few countries. So, you know, it's it's important that we talk about that stuff. Um, there's been so much garbage put out there and labeled as. You know, uh, certified uh, biblical eschatological teaching. It's 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 well, it's embarrassing actually, is uh, is what it is. But we've been hammering away at this, uh, trying to get people to realize. what well, I'm sure it's kind of shocking uh, what we just said on the last broadcast on on your broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. The writers aren't bad; they're not evil. I don't know who told you they were. Uh, but they ride at the behest of the Lord thy God. And uh, 
here's another catchphrase: the 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 angel of death. Um, even though that's not what the Bible actually calls uh, the entity that went out uh, for the tenth plague of Egypt. Uh, I hate to rain on everybody's party, but nobody said he was bad, not at all. And they were shocked to realize that. Well, wait a minute. The only a personage that we get connected to the four writers is the final one because death is following him. So right there is just a couple of topics that we've just mentioned in the past couple of weeks, Brian, that <laughs> well, that's in complete contradiction to what everybody else says. So, you know, you could pick any one of those and just go for it. That's just the way we've We've gotten to – we've just got to this place where it's just total chaos um, and concentrated chaos. It's directed chaos, intentional chaos because some of the things that uh, – well, we – you know, uh, you talked about just on your last uh, broadcast, Brian um, – Nobody talks about those things, uh, like the simple fact that uh, Alexander, uh, he did some things, uh, especially with the temple at Jerusalem. Uh, he strolled right in there, and if you think he didn't have a hint, that means you don't have a clue. Uh, and it's just amazing that uh, one of the main reasons why he was probably upset was because he knew everything – well, he had just – Got massive history lessons from everybody that was around him. Um, I mean, he was trained to do what he did. He did it for a rhyme and a reason. So, you know, that's my that's my answer to your comment there. Um, I guess you can come back at me and fill in the blanks, uh, but it is frustrating, and uh, this is. This entire mission you and I have embarked on, it's like the inversion of a waterfall, Brian. We really are going upstream without a paddle, and not only that, we're going up a waterfall coming the other way without a paddle. And uh, we just do the best we can. Now, that's really all we can do. I mean, how many times have, have we had all of our shows or all of our videos uh I mean, how many YouTube channels have I had taken down because they were marked offensive? Um, I don't even think I, I, I know how many channels. I think three, at least. But, I mean, this has been an uphill battle the whole way. I mean, uh, your thoughts on that? I mean, just the other day you were having massive problems with Windows did an update just in the sweet spot at the right perfect time. I mean, you overcame it, but it's almost like this is the normal. So your thoughts on that, bud? Uh, well, mechanical things aside, those just uh, – something like that, I just looked the other way. Windows is going to update, and uh, I sat down and did a little bit more tweaking with the system last night, and I got this thing running quite a bit better, and I've had it running for a while. So I guess inadvertently that update ended up becoming a blessing. But I may – you know, maybe that's the key statement here is, you know – at times, uh, all of us, and even all the listeners out there, we get kicked in the teeth at times. 
and it's just learning to pick yourself back up again and moving forward. And sometimes, you know, at least in uh, regards to the two of us here, I think we've come out swinging probably harder than we've ever swung after several knockdowns over the years. You know, you know, Matthew brings up several of these uh, varied areas that have gotten just completely distorted over all this time. And as we progress forward, we get all kinds of new, uh, well, entertainment, because that's literally what it is. All these new uh, deceptions that keep springing up and coming along by the moment. I mean, for Pete's sakes, you got people that believe we're living on a pizza that's floating throughout the uh, universe at the current moment. So, I mean, we go back to that. It's I'm just completely baffled that I've seen this stated by people for years that they go with this statement that God is love and that he wouldn't send out deceiving spirits and it's not him that sends out these delusions, these deceptions. Folks, you're told quite plainly the Lord sends out these things. That bore in mind You have to stay studying on a continual basis. And, you know, as everybody's picked up, Matthew and I don't know everything. I mean, we just put the picture together, pieces together, for instance, about the length and width of the Prince of Persia's territory, which at this current moment they are still trying to continue to expand. But that's the way things work. If we don't stay in our studies, we don't stay continually working at looking at everything that's going on around us at the same time, going back over and over and over again, studying these things, looking at this historical documentation, well, I guess what happens is some of these people get so bored that we end up with fables. I mean, you know, Matthew's brought up how much the entertainment industry is coming and affecting things. You know, and there's another pivot point in history as well, folks, with some of the infamous Middle Ages uh, stories that were coined there. Dante's Inferno, um, Paradise Lost, of course. Those also had an inadvertent effect on what's being taught in this day and age as well. When you start slowly boiling all these things together, you end up in our current state. I mean, it's it's to the point here locally, I can't even carry a conversation on with anybody any longer because they, I don't know what they're talking about. I literally don't. I tried to explain to them what the Bible says, and they come back with something five minutes later, and I just, after a while, I'm going, oh boy. I'll explain Whatever question it may be, do it in a matter of next to no time. Practically walk them through, I don't know, good, good 20, 30 places in the Bible that swiftly, they get it for two seconds. Then they're back to being confused. And I guess, uh, you know, to whip that back over to you, Matthew, I'm sitting here 
taking a little look-see at something in the background that's been on my mind here for these last few days. Well, I had an interesting uh, question come up to me. Um, Somebody was over there on my Twitter feed looking at my media I've provided, um, the many things I've done over there. And they asked me where I got the information uh, contained in Isaiah uh, uh, 42, verse 22. And uh, they couldn't believe that that's actually mathematically in the Bible, and they wanted to know where I got that from. And I said, well, I'm sorry, uh, but I did those calculations uh, in high school, actually. I found that. Uh, You can't get that information anywhere else, so there's no point in looking for it. And I guess they had already been… Uh, looking for it for several weeks, but they thought it was in in a book that had been published, and they wanted to buy the book to get the rest of the information because I have several uh, of those laid out uh, just concerning just one book, Isaiah. And I said, oh, I have many more than that. There's uh, the divine ratio with the 1,335-day integer. With the divine ratio is in more than just Isaiah. Uh, that sequence is is marvelous. Well, it's wonderful to look at, but I, I had to to explain to him that that no, I'm sorry, but uh, that isn't in a book. Uh, that's my uh, hard labor from when I was a teenager. And he said, "Yeah, but everything that you." That I've ever heard you describe is actually describing exactly that verse. And I said, well, yes. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's uh, you know Isaiah uh, forty two twenty two. Um, but this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses. And they are for prey, and none delivereth. Or spoil, and none saith, restore. Well, why would God put the divine ratio in that verse? Because some of the new listeners, uh, you don't understand that the Hebrew is letters and also numbers. It never had Arabic numerals in it, not ever. Uh, so you have to understand that… Uh, now, the best way to describe it is Roman numerals. You'll see clocks sometimes that still have Roman numerals on it. Well, that really is the Hebrew letters are also Hebrew numbers. There is no differentiation between the two. So when you look at the schematics that, that I provided on those, just pictures. I didn't write anything. They're, they're just pictures. You realize exactly uh, this would describe exactly uh, the events of the 1,290 days when the writers are writing and everything that uh, Jesus describes in Matthew 24 is coming full bear upon his church. Uh, they're being handed over, put in prisons, yada, 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 yada. And it is at this time that, of course, the last word in that verse, you see it as restore. That's when God does restore it. He kicks us off our axis. You have to understand that mathematically speaking, those last 45 days are not spoken. They're never spoken. 
he gives the 1,290, and then he says, blessed are those who, uh, you know, some translations say endure, the point being, make it to the end of the 1,335. So God's purposely not saying 45 days for a reason, even though that's what he's implying. And I explained that this is the time uh, that we will be going through the Red Sea. And he marveled after that. Do you mean this is exactly when we go from fleeing to being taken to a place that's prepared for us? I said, yes, exactly. Um, so he had listened to some other things that I had recently stated and was going over the timelines, and it had begun to make sense with him. And it, he just marveled after the simple fact that he got the idea to go through my media over there just to – Look at the pictures I provided, and he couldn't find any writing for it, any written evidence for it. Well, there is no written evidence. The evidence is right here. I did that when I was – well, I don't know, uh, 16 or 17. Um, I found those uh, those calculations just literally uh, going through the Hebrew letter by letter. Well, that's the only way it can be done, but uh, that's not the only time uh, you get uh, that message. Uh, several times. Uh, he does that over and over and over again with the divine ratio using the 1,335-day sequence because what completes that integer there, that equation, is 825. So you have to realize that uh, 825 goes into 1335 to the divine ratio. That's 1.618. That is the divine ratio. That's what that equation is, and, and that's important. Uh, and I had explained to him, well, you don't understand when God speaks. You can't contain all the information that he's saying in one language. That, that, that's why that it is the Hebrew and it is the Greek. On top of that, both languages are alphanumeric. They never had Arabic numerals. So when you realize that, you, you, you realize that the verse that I just read, it's true, it's going to happen, and he showed you how it's going to happen in more wondrous ways than most people can see. And that's that's not bad. I mean there's a lot of people that, that just don't have the wherewithal to uh, learn either of the two languages, let alone both of them. But we can provide – the data to them so that they don't have to if they're incapable of learning Hebrew or Greek. Um, that's what the shepherds are for. That's that's what your teachers are for. They're supposed to make it easy for you, and that's that's what I did. I, I made up uh, schematics there with the word that includes the transliteration, the translation, the Strong's number, everything you need there so you can – Look at the Hebrew and, and figure out what that's saying and realize that those are also numbers as well as letters. But those verses are massively important uh, because he's giving you information that well only he can he can give when he does that. Uh, that's just a way to uh, get information to the ecclesia uh, that no one else would even think. To look for, not even think to look for. Uh, they wouldn't remotely 
well, because they don't believe it, and if you don't believe it, you're not going to pour over it mathematically to see what he's also pointing out to you. You just – because you don't believe it anyway, so there's no reason for you to look any further. But uh, let's talk about uh, Isaiah 37 verse 26. Uh, just take note. There it is again, the divine ratio using the two integers… 1335, 825. Hast thou not heard long ago how I have done it, and ancient times that I formed it? Now I have brought it to pass that thou should be to lay waste defensed cities into ruinous heaps. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistakes about it. Make no mistakes about it. Uh, God just told you Hebraically and alphanumerically, when what he just came out, you know, when what just came out of his mouth is going to come to pass, that is at the end of the 1,335 days. So this this verse here, Isaiah chapter 37 verse 26, is 45 days long. It takes 45 days for that verse to come true, and that's with anything. Let's, let's say you want to drink water, ladies and gentlemen. You have to walk to the cabinet, open the cabinet, get out a glass, close the cabinet door, go to the sink, turn the cold water on, fill the cup up, turn the cold water off, take the cup, deliver it to your mouth, pitch it up, drink, swallow. That takes time. Everything takes time, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing – only the Lord our God can work instantaneously. So just like it took a period of time for them to walk on the seafloor and come up on the other side, that took time. It, they, it wasn't magic. They didn't materialize on the other side of the Red Sea. Everything in creation takes time. God is exclusive of time, but everything else, and I do mean angels, cherubim, seraphim, every, everything that has been created is subject to time. So he just told you how long it was going to take that verse to become true. It's going to take 45 days. And using the divine ratio integer to that, you should realize that he's indicating by use of the divine ratio and that integer that time is going to be changing at a geometric rate. That's why some of those pictures I, I used a seashell. Uh, in another one, I used a couple of spiral galaxies to point out uh, the mechanics of the situation and how that uh, how that plays out, but… Anyway, I probably rambled on for too long. Um, so anyway, I'm sure you found what you were looking for, Brian. So uh, back to you, man. Sorry I rambled on so long. Well, found what I was looking for. I just decided to take a look somewhere else in the midst of it. I don't know why. I always end up doing that. I pulled up, um, you know, folks, there's a uh, website out there for you, though. For those of you that don't know about this, it's called... Uh, 
liveuamap.com. It's a rather unique little site that somebody has put together because they pretty much collate all of the uh, different events that are taking place um, in all the uh, important places throughout the world, and they gather this intelligence together on one spot, and you can get... Hey, Matthew, you might want to mute. Yes, I did. Sorry, that was uh, Thames, but he didn't know he was unmuted, so I should have announced that first, but... Yeah. That's classic. I I unmuted him, but he didn't know he was unmuted. So sorry about that, Thames. Uh, We'll introduce you here as soon as Brian's uh, done, okay? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) What an idiot. Sometimes I'm retarded, I tell you. I'm not going to comment. Anyways. (laughs) But moving forward with that, um, you know, this is an excellent resource. They basically uh, comb the social networks to see what kind of reports are coming out on varied odds and ends and keep all of the uh, relevant pieces that are happening. Now, what I was looking into in the background, indirectly in its own way, kind of ties into this. Because, folks, everybody knows that we had the move of the embassy uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem this week. In the midst of that, that day, there was roughly between, at that point in time, they were listing 60, were uh, confirmed dead. Some stated 62. I know... From what I looked at a little bit last night in the news, there was one more that had passed away since that all took place. Um, And then, of course, we had information come forward that was confirmed by Hamas themselves that about 50 of them were Hamas. There was three that were part of, I believe they're called Islamic Jihad off the top of my head. I can't remember their name. I'm going to have to track that down so I stop forgetting it. Uh, three members were confirmed with that. And one of the I-24 stories, of course, stated they did not know for certain if these people were part of Hamas's military wing or if they were part of their political wing. So that's where things sat at that stage. You know, so, of course, I've seen through very folks out there about 150 billion articles floating around about how this is fulfilling end-time prophecy that somehow the embassy move itself is a fulfillment of end-time prophecy, that Trump recognizing the capital of uh, Israel as being Jerusalem is fulfilling end-time prophecy. But, of course, they never mentioned that Vladimir Putin did it the March previous of the year before. They always leave that out of the equation. Or not the year before, it was in the same year, obviously, but they just looked the other way on that one. And so you get all these varied interpretations are being written up of what this means. And so, of course, you know, then we get the infamous Cyrus connection being made continually. And that's kind of what I've been looking at here in the background because I brought something up on last night's program about Micah 5 verse 5. Because, well, we know full well that Cyrus himself is referred to as a shepherd in Isaiah. And it's rather interesting what I'm kind of precursory have been going through and looking at here. I haven't had a chance to get through all of this, obviously. 
Because they um, shepherds that are mentioned there in Micah five verse five. Oh, you're getting a uh, extreme set of information when you begin to go look through that exact spelling, which comes in up. Ironically enough, through the uh, Delitch's translation of the modern Hebrew Bible, 49 matches of an exact spelling. So that's what I was uh, doing in the background because, you know, Matthew had uh, brought forward some of these articles that, to a degree, just has been saying what I've been saying since, well, quite a while ago. When I've been pointing out what it is that the... uh, Dominionist goals and agenda is. You see, they're all excited because, as the uh, newscaster from I-24 put it this week, you see, this man was a Jewish man who was being interviewed in the United States. And he said, well, essentially to break down these evangelicals or, you know, the Dominionist branching of it, they're all excited because eventually they're all going to be taken away. And, you know, I've as recently wanted to tread carefully in this department, but look, this is something that is coming up all over the news cycle. Everybody knows full well, for instance, we had two speakers there. One of them Of course, the last one that is very well known was Mr. John Hagee. And folks, go back over the course of the last 10 years. I'm going to tell you right now, every single episode, every little sermon he did about the midst of the way through that infamous moment, their uh, entertainment eschatology could happen at any second, and we might not even make it to the end of this sermon. Okay, look, folks, we know full well what his intent has been. There's been no hiding in over the years. This is what these people want. Now, of course, you know, people get a little concerned when I use the terminology crusader to refer to this group of people as but there's a reason i'm doing this because historically speaking that's where you have to break down and understand the motivations of the crusaders in their quest to retake israel now i was rather frustrated because i'm going through uh amazon prime this week and looking at some of the uh very uh documentaries that they've got floating around out there And one of these was covering the crusades itself. And these people literally were making comments going that um, they were stating that that's not what the crusaders' um, mindsets were. This is all propaganda against Christians. That's not what happened. They've disproved this. What in the – really? I mean, seriously, what plane of existence do the people that were making these comments live in? Because every historical text out there concerning the Crusades points this out, unless you've gotten your hands on some twisted new propaganda variant to make it look like somehow the Crusaders were the good guys. Okay? <laughs> I, I just completely baffled, man. Completely baffled. 
Wow. Um, how how is that, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, wow. That's. I guess I shouldn't have been laughing about that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you don't want to talk to any Jewish person about the Crusades. You really don't. Um, they all call that the first Holocaust. Because what the Crusaders did all the way through every city they went through on the way to Jerusalem was kill all the Jews. That's common knowledge. That's not even a debatable topic. Um, we have those historical records in Spanish. You just – all the languages all the way around the Mediterranean because as they marched through a different town – they would get more that would join the crusade by driving them into a frenzy by killing the Jews locally. So we have those records in every language. We have them in Italian, we, we have them in Spanish, we have them in English. It's what they did. And that's what they meant to do. It's what they meant to do. Well, let me add in a little piece to the puzzle folks i mean i've i've mentioned this in the past you have to understand that uh isochronally speaking historically speaking there's something very specific that happened when those crusades were launched because their starting points between france germany and all that all of these folks gathered together and instead of going straight for israel they did something very peculiar they marched all the way out to what was Constantinople at that point in time, the seat of the Eastern Roman Empire. And then they turn around and through a roundabout way, they make their way all the way across going to Jerusalem. Now, if you pay careful attention in Ezekiel 38 and 39, you're going to notice something happening with the Leviathan going to bring you about and turn you around. When you watch this map, when you watch this illustrated of what they did, all of a sudden it's staring you right in the face. And I have pointed out time and time and time again, in the Gog and Magog coalition, Gomer is the German people, okay, which encompasses, well, all throughout different areas of Europe, obviously the United States as well, but of course Germany, France, and even up into Britain. So, of course, these people are getting a stream of some kind of modern-day propaganda that is twisting their minds because, look, I've seen what's been happening in some of these dominionist uh, circles where they have made all Islamic people bad. So they have to re-gloss this and repaint this as being they were somehow the good guys. That's disturbing, folks, and it's just as disturbing when you start watching the actions that have been happening with these certain groups of people in the United States and how they're interpreting these events of moving that embassy. And even so, at the same time, if you looked in the media that day, there's several newscasters that caught on to it, and they started putting pictures of the um, embassy Move, which, mind you, everybody, I watched that all live when it was taking place on I-24. 
I watched the entire set of speeches. I listened to a degree because I started looking at news at the same time, but nonetheless, I had it going. You also had massive things happening in the Gaza Strip, even up to and including there was an airstrike by the IAF where they came in and hit Hamas targets right in the middle of this. So you've got one thing happening there where everybody's celebrating. You have certain people from the United States in there. Of course, you had certain ones with the Likud party and different varying groups within Israel. And of course, you had Mr. Yehuda Glick there because, you know, you can't go nowhere with him. But that's where things get frightening. I'm glad I brought him up before I went to this because now apparently there's coins or something that are being issued with this comparison to Cyrus. And they're lo and behold, suddenly they're saying they're about to build the third temple. Never mind the fact that earlier in the week, which was confirmed through Reuters, once again, these groups within these far right, uh, be it the settler movements, there's some within the religious establishment in Israel as well. Once again, they busted into Alaska Mosque. And usually I don't say nothing about it until I get a confirming factor. But Reuters, interestingly enough, hit it inside of one of their articles stating it had, had indeed happened. You know, folks, we've got enough situations that have spun themselves into high gear. We're Israel's enemies are sitting roundabout, getting ready to leap. And then on top of it, they're also playing with fire by doing what they're doing at the Temple Mount with the Alaska Mosque. I mean, I, I could spin this a hundred different directions. I mean, look at what's happened with Turkey, their embassy. People were, the Israeli ambassadors were kicked out. Great big public spectacle was made. Erdogan's been making threats throughout all the week. In turn, we had sanctions thrown down on Hezbollah, who has taken a good amount of seats in the last election here, which just happened in the last week or two, I believe, off the top of my head. Well, the United States, of course, went sanction crazy, and they're hitting a bunch of the um, groups in Hezbollah. That's causing more tension. I mean, I can just keep spinning this round and round and round we go. And yet, of course, and I even went out and checked some of my local uh, dominionists around here to see what they were all saying. And I, they, once again, everything's hunky-dory. Everything's great. They have no idea what is in all reality is happening on the ground. Not to even mention, if you go backwards with the events where Iran a couple of weeks ago, through Cuds Force, started slinging missiles into the Golan Heights. Completely don't get the bigger picture, but at the same time, that's the problem. See, their bigger picture, and this you can verify this. People can get upset with me all they want. The point is, is their whole goal is to get these events to roll in motion so that they can be, just like the um, Jewish man that was interviewed in the United States stated, so they can be taken away. Sorry, but that's the facts, folks. And I think about a good 50 to 80 to 100 to 120. Oh, there's no end in sight. News articles pointed out this very same thing throughout the week. Back over to you. Yeah, guys. I, I I posted that about four or five times. Different 
I think the last one I posted was uh, Guardian said it. Uh, that, uh, yeah, that's what the evangelicals are doing. But, uh, yeah, let's get some people in the saddle, shall we? Um, Thames, are you there? Sorry um, I unmuted you before and you didn't know it. Sorry about that. I'm, no, I'm sorry. We were uh, – my wife and I were making dinner, and I was helping her. She was cutting onions, and I was uh, frying up some garlic. So my apologies. No, um, that's that's all right. Yes, I heard her, actually. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure she wasn't too happy that she was being blasted out across the airwaves. Um <laughs> So uh, let's go ahead and get uh, Brent on here. He said he uh, might uh, jump in the saddle with us, but uh, maybe now he's not going to have a choice. We'll just bring him live and see where it goes. Brent, I hope you're ready to come live on air because you are, buddy. <laughs> How you been doing? Uh, good. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, well, let's get... Um, let's get Thames first because I uh, brought him in first accidentally. Uh, Thames, what's going on in your mind? Um, any end time topics you want to talk about? Any biblical uh, topics you want to talk about is just fine with me. But uh, your thoughts. Um, more importantly, your well, feelings. Amen. Uh, two things uh, that you and Matthew talked about, which are the opposite sides of the same coin. You talked about rest and um brian talked about um the temple and you know these dominionists they believe that there's going to be a third temple and it's obvious that if you read the bible starting in in second samuel uh the seventh chapter god makes it quite clear that this temple is not what they are describing and i'm just going to go ahead and and read it uh, starting in verse 12, he says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And the other quick reference I just want to give to this is 1 Corinthians 3.17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. The dominionists are looking for a physical temple uh, in Jerusalem, And we know, of course, that that is going to happen at the end of the age. Uh, The Bible is very clear with that description of the the temple coming down. But the temple prior to that is inside of each and every single one of us. And it's supposed to be holy. Um, Of course, the dominionists don't like to talk about that. No, that's the last thing they want to talk about when... You know, Tim's me and you talked uh, publicly. You had me explain this one time, I don't know, several years ago. And I explained, well, this is one of the purposes of the four writers. Um, They don't let this coalition come together. And then, of course, the ensuing 
Trumpets, ladies and gentlemen, what God's actually doing is targeting the natural resources. It's the inversion of what happened to the children of Israel when they were forced to make bricks without straw. How are you going to build a temple uh, during or after the trumpets have been blasted? Sorry, that's not going to happen. Now, I've pointed out to everybody that that place where Jesus exited the temple and he turns around and says, you see these stones? Not one will be left on top of each other. It's a historical fact. He's talking about Robinson's Arch. Whether you like it or not, um, on the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne, the Wailing Wall, that puppy's coming down. Yeah, it's coming down. It ain't come down yet. Christ had literally just exited that ramp. The door that he walked out of with his disciples was Robinson's Arch. That puppy is coming down. It's coming down. So... It's hard for me to even imagine that um, once you read through, um, God is specifically targeting the natural resources and building material during the trumpets. You can forget about construction. So that's just one thing right off the bat. And we could go <laughs> – I mean I could talk about this for several days. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's just the fact of the matter. If you think there's going to be building going on uh, while the uh, trumpets are going off, um, maybe you ought to go over those logistics of doing that. So, with that being said, Brent, let's get your two cents. What's on your mind? What's in your spirit? I anything you want to talk about? I mean, we can talk about anything. Um I know that you haven't spent too much time uh, with Thames, but I assure you, uh, he is qualified to speak about any topic you want to, or uh, really doesn't matter. So uh, what's on your mind? What are you wanting to bring out? Excuse me. Yes, thank you, Matthew. Um, I'm all over the map here. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, certainly wasn't prepared for this, uh, although actually I was. Um, everything... That the Bible says is going to happen is going to happen, and uh, we're watching the birth pangs. Um, I guess the big thing for me right now is uh, prayer in the body, warfare, preparation for that uh, the warfare that's coming that. Uh, uh Bible says we're going to go through, and you're right when you say, you know, uh, we'll be like the children going through uh, the Red Sea. We will be protected. But there are going to be many who aren't, who say they're Christians. The deception is all around. Even ourselves, as we sit here talking about these things, watching them come up, uh, about we're confused in many areas of the intricacies of the plan of God. Matthew 24 uh, is just the highlights. 
the intricacies of in our lives parallel the world situation and prayer is really the big thing on my mind because Jesus said we are the light of the world we have the authority pray at all times and uh with with that being said let me say something um second peter 3:8 but beloved be not ignorant of one thing that one day is with the lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day i'm not really good at math but i did the math maybe you can do uh, the math better than me matthew but i calculated that if we were to take that scripture literally which i do one day no way he just dropped brent if you can hear me you just dropped off the switchboard um boy we haven't had that happen in a coon's age, as they say here locally. Um, well, let's let Thames finish his thoughts. Um, Thames, what did you get from the spirit about what uh, Brent was talking about and how important uh, it is for us to pray? And the spiritual warfare aspect of it, because we we do need to touch about that. Because what's important? So, Tim's, why don't you share your 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 thoughts on that? My initial thought is is that it's important to understand what it is that's going on right now. I mean, you mentioned earlier you talked about enduring. Revelation fourteen mentions enduring, and it mentions it for a reason. Uh, we are to endure to build our faith because our faith is the thing that's going to carry us through. And we need to have a the long-term perspective understanding that we are hoping to enter into his rest. And Hebrews chapter 3 is very clear about what's going on. And we are going to be tested. And the reason we're going to be tested is the same reason that the Christ was tested um, you know, we are going to be priests, and to be a priest, you have to have first suffered, and that suffering makes you, um, well, it makes you empathetic. It makes you sympathetic to the suffering of others, and he's absolutely right that, that prayer is seminal in that because, you know, when you, when you sit down and pray, it's a very humbling thing, um, and the first thing that typically comes to my mind in prayer is, is the, the needs and concerns of others. And primarily uh, the next time that I'm interacting with that other, um, it sort of shapes or it's like a, it, it, it colors the whole interaction that I have with that individual because of the events that occurred in prayer prior to that interaction. And um, prayer is absolutely critical. But I think also having a, a clear understanding and perspective of what's going on and why. Amen to that, and he did call back in. Let's get him back in the saddle. Brent, you are back live, buddy. Please finish your thoughts. I, I, I don't know what happened. 
I don't know how my ear hung up on me. Uh, but yeah, again, the uh, it, scripture says to pray ceasingly. And I have heard from the pulpits and other congregants all my life, that's impossible. You can't pray ceasingly. But I did the calculations, as I said before, before I rudely interrupted myself, that if you break it down, that three days and a few hours is one second to the Lord. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is with a day. Which means that if we were to pray every day or every other day, we could pray without ceasing. And we have the authority as the body of Christ to do things in this world, in the spirit, that affects the physical, that we can be the overcomers and endure to the end. I just want to encourage the body. I want to encourage uh, the listeners that prayers are precious. They are mighty. They have an effect, whether you see it or not. And Matthew and Brian speak about all the things that are happening on this earth constantly, week after week. And we can have an effect, and especially in your own and your family's lives. And that's what's been on my heart, Matthew. Well, thank you, Brent. Uh, You know, maybe Brian and I do have our head in the clouds just a little bit too much sometimes. I lightly talked about this the other day. And I want everybody to consider it that the Lord's Prayer is entirely in plural. Or have we all forgotten it? Ladies and gentlemen, when you're praying the Lord's Prayer and you say, give us this day our daily bread, you're praying for the entire bride of Christ. When you say, forgive our debtors as we forgive those who have debts against us, you are praying for Brent to forgive the people that he has forgiven in his heart, but he's completely forgotten about the incident, and he hasn't even realized that well, I should have particularly forgiven that individual. I strongly suggest all of you, whatever translation you have, it really doesn't matter. Do this this week. Write down the Lord's Prayer. Look at the verse, then look at the piece of paper and write it. Write it down exactly. Fold up that piece of paper, shove it in your back pocket. Or shove it in your purse, or shove it in your wallet, and remember that, that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you are praying corporately for Christ. You are forgiving people's sins that your brothers and sisters have – they have already forgiven them in their heart, but they just forgot to say it. Or perhaps they're in an emotional upheaval. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, let's you know, I've I've used this example before. You come here to my house, let's say Tams himself. No, let's say Brian better yet. When Brian was at my house for an extended stay, if he would have said something cross to my wife, 
I would have dotted his eye, and then I would have helped him off the ground. And I would have regretted it, but I would have lost my temper, and in a fist of fury, he would have never done it again. And you don't know, some people might be going through these things at work, and they're underneath a terrible duress, and their emotions are in the way. And they will tomorrow, after the event, ask for forgiveness. But ladies and gentlemen, what, what happens if they get in a car accident on the way home? And what if you pray the Lord's Prayer before the head-on collision occurs? Don't you realize what it is you've done? Because like I started out this this program, you're in time. I don't care what you do, it takes time. And we are a soft machine, and especially we men. When something precious to us is threatened, it's not wise to get in our way. I mean, that's that's a natural response. I mean, we we protect that which we care about. So you can be in a stasis of emotional upheaval, and you're going to forgive your boss or your neighbor or whoever or whatever it is. It's your full intention to do that. You are sanctified, but you're also human. And even even those that are sanctified, ladies and gentlemen, you're not allowed to be Christ. You're not perfect, and you ain't gonna be. But your intentions can be. But just like uh, you know the children of Israel when they had the straw taken from them, uh, they got whipped because they weren't producing the same amount of bricks, and they're like, well, wait a minute. How can we make the bricks and collect the material for the bricks and still have the same quota? So they were in emotional distress. You need to realize what you're doing. Or maybe that's the problem. Maybe most of you don't even know what you're doing when you're praying. You know, the woman is always characterized in the singular tense as well as the bride and you're supposed to know that uh, you're supposed to remember what well you know let's try, just talk about what's happened uh, recently with uh, the Assyrian Christians or with the Coptics and it, it will temper your emotions I mean, yeah, your boss does something mean to you at work, but if you've been praying for the Assyrian Christians, which are no more, I mean, their villages have been emptied out. They all fled. If you've been praying for them before you went to work, there ain't nothing your boss is going to say that's going to touch you. That's just a joke to you. I mean, if you've been in earnest prayer for people that's you know, like the Coptics, they randomly, you know, whenever the Muslims feel like it, they just go kill, cop, you know, uh, the Coptics. I mean, if you've been praying for them in the morning, you know, if somebody at work does something mean to you, it's not even going to affect you. So, 
there is an element of connection. You got to have a physical connection, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that biblicate more than I. Well, actually, Brian probably does because, you know, I spend a great deal of my time at work. But I'm sure there's all type of uh, all types of of saints out there that's been crowned with silver. You know, their children don't come see them. They're just sitting in their house or their apartment. And I'm sure there's many of them in New York and Chicago. You know, up in one of those old apartment buildings, they've been renting that same apartment for 20, 30 years. Nobody ever comes sees them. <laughs> and, you know, today I had to go grocery shopping. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if me and my family made it home today because one of those people were praying for the ecclesia. So you can have all the knowledge in the world, and if you don't have a real-time connection to Christ through the Holy Spirit with the exercise of prayer… You're hollow, not hollow, and there's a whopping great big difference. But I mean, I, many of you, you know, talk about praying spiritual warfare, you know, because there's demons attacking you, or you know, you're undergoing attacks at work and all that. There is a place for that. Every single day, you should pray. To be delivered from evil. You should pray that God not lead his bride into temptation. But there really are people on this planet that are undergoing real, quite real, demonic harassment. Not just an abusive boss or an abusive... Uh, uh, you know, shift leader or whatever. No, I mean real. And if you don't pray for them, who's going to pray for you? So, Brent has made a better point than I tonight. It's by far more important to talk to God and to put before him supplications and prayers for the afflicted than it is to memorize Isaiah or Jeremiah or Lamentations or Ezekiel or Daniel. That's far more important. Now, I usually don't discuss my interactions that way publicly, but all of you know that Brian has been neck deep in demonic activity. So yes, we do need to remember that when this thing comes to bear, you're going to be going through exactly what the children of Israel went through when uh, they got their backsides whipped 
and had to provide their own straw. It is coming. Make no mistakes about it. So let me pass the baton off to Tim's on that matter. What's, uh, what's your comments there on what uh, Brent had to say, Tim's? Well, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> point out uh, Job, the first chapter, verse 5. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did continually. He literally did what you just described. He was concerned about someone else not praying, not covering their transgressions, and he took it upon himself to, uh, well, because he feared God. He put it upon himself to engage in that activity on their behalf. Which is exactly how Christ taught us to pray. I mean, Tim, I have no remote clue what you did today. But I do know this. I have said the Lord's Prayer today about four or five times, so in there I covered you because it says, how are we supposed to pray? Forgive us our debts. You do realize that our means you, right, Tams? Amen. And it just blows me away that people, well, Tams is so right. Well, of course, that's how Christ taught us to pray, because that's all laid out in the first chapter of Job. So, Brian, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, you and I don't talk about this very often, but, well, we obviously should. Like I said, maybe we got our head in, heads in the cloud too much, but, uh, you know, you've spent your time in places you should not have been. And if it wasn't for people praying, you'd still be there. So, um, you know, what's your your thoughts on that, Bri? Well, most certainly I would uh, still be there if it wasn't for the prayers of the saints throughout quite an extensive stretch of history, I would have to say. We've discussed this before. I think my grandmother... Going some time back, was doing what she does, even before I was probably born. You know, and that's, um, as Matthew brings up, you know, as far as how my prayer is concerned, I keep things very simple with the Lord's Prayer itself. Every now and then throughout the day, you'll get nudges in certain directions. You'll get, at least that's how it works with me. Things will come to bear to mind. Well, quickly, it's taken care of. And ultimately, the way I look at it is the Lord's will be done. Because sometimes, you know, the way I've seen things, at least in this neck of the woods here, because, you know, going from one stream in my life and then get throwing thrown into this other extreme in my life with the health, wealth, and prosperity, dominionist, crusader movement, I saw a lot of completely wacky things. And I there would be people that would be praying for some new fancy 
ultra uber expensive car and just things that absolutely made no sense whatsoever. You know, and it's um, discussions, for instance, here in this house about even these days coming upon us here when we have oil is just shot up to about 80 bucks a barrel. I haven't kept track of it in the last couple of days. That's what was sitting at before. And they're reporting this is causing inflation. You know, I was, I was asked the question here, well, what are we going to do? And I said, the Lord's going to provide for us just as he has promised. That is in the Lord's prayer. It's amazing what it is that all of the Lord's prayer covers. And just like Matthew pointed out, and you don't really necessarily, you don't think about the fact that it is plural, that it covers the entirety of the body. You don't necessarily think about it, even though you're doing it all this time, it was sitting right in front of you. I mean, I had to giggle when I stopped and thought about it after Matthew brought it up that night going, that's classic. I should have known it, but I didn't even think about it because it had just become such a habit of the way of doing things. You know, here they have these big infamous teachings and trainings. These people spend hundreds of dollars to go out to learn how to do this, that, and the other thing. And they end up in these long, drawn-out pretenses, these prayers that just go on for hours, that go nowhere and say absolutely nothing. They pray in the exact way we were told not to pray. And it just, I would sit there and watch this, and I would just shake my head going, what is wrong with you people? But that's the trap that they've gotten pulled into. Now, my wife views things in a different way. And uh, you can ask Matthew this. I'm going to tell you right now, you want something dealt with in prayer? My wife is the one to go to. She has kept in prayer for the same people since she has been a little kid all the way forward. It's absolutely amazing what she does. You know, and... And it can... Go ahead. Well, on a negative note, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something terrible. Extremely terrible. It's exact inversion of Brian's wife. I used to work at a factory, and um, I got caught up in an emotional situation. And unfortunately, um, one Friday, I inadvertently asked the Lord if I could do that job. And the person doing that job, his name was Jimmy. I never saw him again. He died on the way home on Friday and I walk in the shop on Monday morning and my boss meets me at the time clock and says I want you to go over to the vibe cell 
Is it really? What? Jimmy Sick? No. Jimmy never made it home on Friday evening when he was driving home. And God help me, I can't ever take that back. So ladies and gentlemen, do you need to, in this instance, Christ is wiser than you without question. So you need to probably say the Lord's Prayer every day to cover up all the stupid ones that you prayed. It is tough being in the body. It means you're just a member. I'm sorry I had to share that, but I did. It's not wise to pray for foolish things. If you have a car, you have no need for Lamborghini. If you have a house, you have no need for a mansion. You know, it just burned into my mind that picture of the little boy that was dead on the shore. Went viral. He was trying to escape Isis. His parents had fled, and of course the boat had capsized, and his... I mean, they had it on all the major news sources. All of a sudden, everything I was going through was nothing. Sorry I interrupted you, Brian. Please finish your thought. That just did what was the finishing of my thought here. I mean, I can take this in multiple directions. You know, for instance, we have spots where you can look at this. For instance, Ephesians, you know, I've, uh, I've had this one thrown at me a billion times about how we're supposed to be out there just continually, continually, continually fighting all these these forces and doing this, that, and the other thing. But I want everybody to take note of something. Ephesians 6, verse 13, Therefore take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and have being done everything to what? To stand firm. Amen. Your job is to stand. Now to take this to another direction. You know, folks, I can, I'm, I'll get a little personal here as well. well. Some of you out there know my brother passed away last December. See, things have been a little bit complex in trying to cope with this scenario because, for one, because the way things worked out with my brother's <laughs> wife, we had been kept separated for quite some time. That's the way life goes. Now, there was an argument that happened years upon years upon years back, and 
You know, I, I talked to my mother about this back and forth, and she would think that somehow there was some animosity in the midst of this, and that's why things weren't happening where we weren't talking. And it's like, no, we were talking, but we had to keep it hidden from his wife. And, you know, I, I tried to get her to understand this. I'm like, I let go that argument in next to no time. There was no reason to be upset with him. I wasn't upset with him. But that's that's kind of what things sit like even as Matthew brought up, you know, we don't know what the next moment could bring for anybody surrounding us. I mean, we hold on to this animosity, it will tear you apart inside for one thing. That bitterness, all of it. I've been a walking example of it. And you got to keep all these things in mind. Especially when it comes to that atypical topic of forgiveness. And those circumstances are going to keep coming to bear. You're just going to have to keep going. Nobody said any of this was going to be easy. And this is the whole gist of why I get so absolutely frustrated with these people around here that have gotten caught up in this health, wealth, and prosperity situation. Now, let me give you a prime example. Okay, like I brought up before, Matthew reiterated. I, you've got these people praying for these expensive cars. We've been told here that God was angry with us because our cars broke down. These same people are now driving around in Humvees. Well, we have no car whatsoever that's working. But does this matter to me? Here's the thing. Better be keeping your eyes on your eternal reward as opposed to your physical here and now reward. Because the lack of the car that we have now, eh, it doesn't bother me. But that's the thing is how many people are focusing on physical realities as opposed to eternal. And that's why I don't get (laughs) this health, wealth, and prosperity. These people have gotten themselves into a mindset that is nowhere in the Bible. I did a quiz. I asked in this house, can you tell me, show me a place where the saints, where the prophets of old, all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, can you show me where it is that they all had peachy keen, great lives? All of a sudden, I get no answer. That's kind of the way it is. But then, I'll give you, an you know, answer. Matthew touched on it. You might want to let me finish. Okay. Because I'm about Sorry. to hit everybody right between the eyes. Matthew brought up what happened with his child, with Islamic State. There's been so many people out there that have gotten into this mindset that all of these refugees that have been getting spread all throughout the world because of the disasters happening in the Middle East where there is nonstop war breaking out and they're being chased from one place to the other. You have people that are going into boats. You have these boats capsizing and tons of them are dying from drowning because they're trying to escape everything that's going on. And yet you have this stream 
that is filtered into these dominionist circles that is labeled all of these people as being bad and evil. Let me ask a question for all of you out there. How many of you are praying for these people? It does not matter what their belief system is. Matter of fact, their sexual orientation or any of that. How many of you people out there are actually praying for these people, seeing them as human beings, and going from there? You see, I've watched this spiral for years. And people ain't going to like this. I will give you an indication. In my little wake-up call that happened into 20, on December 21st of 2010, I was shown what was going to play out as time progressed, and I saw what's happening in the Middle East. And the main thing I saw were those refugees being scattered all over the face of the planet. You might want to keep them in mind. You might want to be praying for those folks. You might not want to be making preconceived statements because last I checked everybody Christ came here for everyone it's not your decision to make if they are going to be part of the kingdom so sorry for that Matthew I needed to finish that statement no that's all right, Brian I think that we probably need to pray about it. You know, prayer is the only thing that uh, you really can't talk about too long before you have to actually do it. So, um, Thames, you want to pray? Or uh, you want one of us to do it? I can do it. Cool beans. Um, I'm happy to do it. Let's uh, let's ask for prayer request. Brent, you got any prayer request? Um, uh, you just answered that prayer, Matthew. Uh, to have Tim's pray. Um, that's the whole gist of of my desire. Brian, you got any prayer request, bud? My old, well, I kind of stated, I guess, the things on my heart in the midst of that. Hey, man, do I have any prayer requests? Boy, I don't get asked very often if I have any prayer requests. I, I really don't. Um, you know what? I want to pray for um, one of our sister's boys. I'm not going to mention names because I really don't have to. The boy just came through a kind of trying event that he had everybody puzzled, but he did not have me puzzled. And I think he needs an extension of God's grace. And I think that if it's within our power, 
We should ask for that extension. So, um, Tim's, go ahead and pray for us, please. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to be with you and with others that love you just as I love you. And truly, as you said in your word, when two or more are gathered, then you are in the midst. And with that, I humbly and respectfully ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. I might be pleasing and acceptable to you, Father, as I humbly petition you on behalf of my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And those not in Christ yet, but through the presentation of the Beatitudes and the love of Christ that throws through our lamps that we might help win souls that you might be pleased to have all of your children in the fullness of days. Father God, I specifically bring Brian's request regarding the refugee situation. Um, Words cannot express just how dire that situation is. And as much as it moves me or anyone here listening to my voice, I know it doesn't even scratch the surface to what it does to you, to know that children that you knit together in their mother's womb, children that you created with your own good hands, are being torn apart, being raped, being murdered, being tortured in the name of religion, in the name of power, in the name of hatred, in the name of all the things that are that separate us from you just as you divided the light from the darkness. And I ask for your forgiveness for that because many of those actions have been done in my name on my behalf, even if I say that I am not with those that commit those acts. In truth, as I sit here before you, Father, I have to admit my sin and my culpability in those actions. And I humbly ask for forgiveness. And I ask that you give those who are caught in that situation, I ask that you give them safe passage to the place that you have prepared for them, because I know that that is what you have promised in your word, that you will provide a place when the place that you're in is no longer safe. And I ask that you do that, Father. Father God, I, I pray for the hearts of the children to be turned towards the Father, because truly that is the only hope that we have that your kingdom come. And the only way that your kingdom we draw near to you. Because when we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. And that happens with the turning of our heart. And I humbly request, Lord, that you put that urgency in each and every single one of us. To the sister that is has the son that is struggling, Father, I ask that you remind that sister that there is no love like the love that a mother has for her children. In truth, this entire creation is hanging on the hope of that love. The love of the church for the child that was created by its giving of its body in the form of the virgin birth to bring forth your son who would bring forth the redemption of this creation that is suffering until the day when you restore all things back to the way that they should be. I ask that you remind that sister 
that the pain, the suffering that she is enduring, Father, is only for a time. And in the fullness of time, that pain and that suffering will be as far as the east is from the west. And for that son, Father, I ask that you remind him of just how important he is to you. That truly, if his mother was ever visited by you, and we know that she was because she had him, that it was for the completion of your goodwill, that you knit him together, that you had thoughts, you had plans for him hidden up in yourself, in your tabernacles for that boy. And I ask that you make him aware of some of those things so that he might understand just how important he is and that he might have a reverence for his life, for his body, for the choices that he makes, because time is precious. And finally, Father, I petition you on behalf of all of us that you help us to continue to build our faith, because the days, the times that are coming are truly going to test our faith, and it is in the testing of that faith that we will be able to endure that which is coming. And I ask that you give us a little more oil for our lamps that we might be able to endure, that we might have that house that has been built without hands, that we might be pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I feel better. Amazing how he penetrates. Absolutely amazing. Never <laughs> will never cease to amaze me his wonders. Well, gentlemen, let me check the switchboard. How much time we got left? We got twenty minutes to talk about whatever on earth we want to talk about. Um Let me see here. Um, Brian just sent me a message. Well, isn't it interesting you would send me that? Brian, why did you send me that, of all things? Well, this, uh, I guess it's interesting because in all reality, it kind of ties into everything we talked about already tonight. Because there's even pieces that tie into this but that uh this is something we brought up earlier about things that are being stated from a certain uh certain group that's a uh small sliver of the population in america and their intentions right now with their um with dubbing the uh current commander-in-chief of the united states as being cyrus and Coins being issued, the third temple. And, you know, folks, it's kind of clear real quickly where they uh, get this idea from. Because, of course, we have to go over to Second Thessalonians, verse 2. And, uh, you know, I've got this in the Charles Thompson because, of course, I did the uh, search through the uh, Septuagint. And the Textus Receptus. It's rather interesting the exact spelling of that word for temple that's used in 
Second Thessalonians verse two. Because folks, you do a uh, search and hone it in on being the exact spelling of the word. It's quite eye-opening. But of course, you know, this is where we bring this in. You know, I'll start with verse 3. Let no one by any means deceive you that it is until the apostasy has first come and the man of sin has been revealed, that son of perdition, who setteth himself against and exalteth himself above all that is called God or an object of worship so as to seat himself as God in the temple of God pointing himself out that he is God do you not remember that while I was yet with you I told you these things and you know now what it is which now restraineth to the end that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity is now in operation. But there is one who yet restraineth. When he is out of the way, then will be revealed the lawless one, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth, with the brightness of his coming. He will indeed put a stop to the operations. Folks, this is from the... Uh, Charles Thompson translation, and that English translation uh, is pretty good. Kind of clears some things up. But I mean, folks, for those of you out there that have access to some form of a study tool where you can put these exact uh, spellings in and do what I've done, I mean, let's uh, put that around the table here a little bit. I mean, Matthew, what do you got to say on that? Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, wow, that's kind of unfair to the other guys. <laughs> what have I got to say about that? Let's ask Let them go ahead uh, if you feel that need. Yeah, we're we're running low on time, so I could consume it very quickly. Um, Tems, your thoughts on those comments of Brian's? Well, I, I like that you've read that and continue to talk about the restrainer. Um, Everybody needs to know that the first uh, reference that you should be looking at with that restrainer is when Moses restrained them from making any more offerings that were going to be used to build the tabernacle. And this is a direct reference to the night in which no good deed can be done. The works are done. The Beatitudes, when you match up that list of the Beatitudes, the fruits of the Spirit, with the things that have been offered, you're going to see a striking parallel there. And, well, all of this ties in quite nicely with, with Bible prophecy. And it clears up a whole lot of confusion. We probably should do a show sometime where we get into um, Hebrews, the third chapter, Kings, Second um, Samuel, the seventh chapter, all of this, because you can just clear up a whole lot of confusion, um, which is getting to the heart of the matter with this temple business. That's all I have to say. Brent, did you have any thoughts on what Brian had to comment on? Well, <clears throat> excuse me again. Um, just what uh, 
Hopkins was just said, you know, these last days the deception is on. People who aren't reading the word, aren't seeing the truth. They're only hearing what they hear from the pulpits. And uh, Thessalonians uh, lays it out very nicely, uh, the other scriptures in with it. But uh, this uh, this pre-tribulation stuff is is going to affect so much of the body that it really... It, thank you, Brian, for, for reading that because whoever hears it needs to hear it and look into it deeper. That's my feelings. Amen to that. I can only make reference to what he read about the temple and that exact spelling from the book of Asaph. That's the best I can do. Because there it screams it. A psalm of Asaph, God, the nations are come unto thine inheritance. They have polluted thy holy temple. They have made Jerusalem a depository for summer fruits. Boy, you talk about the prosperity gospel. <laughs> boy, oh boy. I do have an answer to the prosperity gospel, ladies and gentlemen. If you want your reward here, knock yourself out. Get a Lamborghini, and by all means, you will get that indeed. As for me, I want what I got coming. That's a little bit of a different way to put it. Because God knows what's best for me. And that's what I want. And that is what I got coming. And you need to reckon that into yourself. Because that's exactly what's going to happen to you too. You are going to get what you got coming. You're going to get it. One way or the other. Boy, we really have wrapped this show around everywhere. My goodness, it's gone everywhere. You know, man, so little. Brian, why do we always run out of time? Why is that? Can you explain that to me? Why we always run out of time? I, I don't know. It's kind of frustrating. Why do I always run? That's... Uh, that's where I find it interesting, you know. Some of the the stuff that we've done over the years, uh, people it would be so. Look, there's some stuff that we've covered that if we were to go 24/7 for multiple weeks, we still would not be bringing everything forward that we truthfully need to bring forward, just on one specific little topic. And that's quite literally reality. I mean, for instance, last night over on the series that Matthew and I are doing on End Time Tribune Media here on Blog Talk Radio, we we didn't even cover a smidgen 
of what's all really there. But of course, everything that had to be said last night was said. Those things will be built upon in due time. You know, and this is even, for instance, the spelling of this word in this topic. I mean, folks, this is the the key critical thing here is that when you have a question about what something means in the Bible, your best way to getting to the bottom of something is looking at these original languages, finding out, for instance, where it is that these very specific spellings are showing up, and even taking it further to going into parts of a word. Because your English is only going to take you so far. You know, at least first, I beg of you, learn the English first so you at least are able to understand what it is you're looking at once you get into the regular languages. And my biggest hope is that people at least just start picking up their Bibles and starting with the simplicity of the matter and read it in their original language first. If we can get people to pick up their Bibles, then we've accomplished a great deal more than what it is that I'm capable as a human being of doing. Amen to that. Here, let's just take that one step further, shall we? I was just sitting there looking at it because I got that question, so I think I'll just share another one. <coughs> ladies, ladies and gentlemen, surely all of you have heard of the divine ratio. I'm going to give you another verse in Isaiah. It's uh, chapter 4, verse 3. And in it, God uses the words that he puts in that verse. The two integers in that one verse is 1335 again and 825, the divine ratio. Let's take a look at it. Let's, let's read it in the KJV, shall we? It says... And it shall come to pass, so he just told you when, during that 45 days. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion, that should get your attention, and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. A lot of you are probably wondering, I wonder what is the context that's in. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, he literally just gave you the keys to know what the tribulation trigger is. Here, I'll, I'll read it from verse 1. Now, remember, the alphanumerical equation for the divine ratio in the 1,335 days is in verse 3, but I'll start with verse 1. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for they that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even everyone that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. 
And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud smoke by day and the shining of flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, he just gave you the keys to knowing what the tribulation trigger was right there. Ladies and gentlemen, you should know from Revelation chapter 14, um, who's going to Mount Zion? There's only one group going to Mount Zion. Uh, that's in heaven. That's where the throne room is. And if you don't realize that him, that those that remaineth below, if you don't realize those are the ones that get counted in Revelation chapter 7, well, you need a hint. And I guess there's not much I can do for you about that. But just realize in your mind that right there is the calculation for the divine ratio utilizing the integer of the 1,335 days. It was right there the whole time. It was right there the whole time. Didn't you just say something about dealing with an issue of blood? <laughs> sure did. Wasn't there something there in the New Testament about a woman who had an issue of blood? Amen. And, and she and had how many proof. years did she have that? You you asked the on? question before you asked me before I had a chance to ask you. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. There you go, ladies. Well, how many gentlemen. months That's are there in a year? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-mm-mm. Well, there's 12 months in a year there. And you know what that means. 12 times so you're telling the duration. Me you had 12 years and, and, and 12, Amen. 12 years and 12 months. A- Amen. That's exactly what I said. That's exactly what I meant. Yep, there's 12 months in a year, and there's 12 years to the issuance of the uncleanly flow. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's that's twelve times twelve. As surely as the Lord liveth, that's twelve times twelve. And well, I'll read it again for you. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion. Now you understand what uh, I mean for further context. Okay, verse two. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be well. Ladies and gentlemen, what that's in reference to is the Emmanuel prophecy that is exclusively covered in Isaiah chapter 7 and 8. And that male child, that's in Revelation chapter 12. Yeah, that's what that, that's that that's all about. And he's made himself This isn't perfectly clear, Thames. He just gave it to us in a quite complicated sense. As a matter of fact, because, boy, you'd have to have pretty sharp vision. As a matter of fact, I would say you'd have to see beyond the horizon. Amen. But, uh, but it is there in a most simplistic way and a most complicated way, but it's there both ways. And, uh, well, blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, he's told me this so many times. Ways, I mean, times I just quoted how many chapters that we could go to where he expands upon this. And we haven't even mentioned, oh, I don't know, 
uh, Isaiah chapter 30. Uh, he comes oh, right yeah. out and says the exact same thing. I mean, he, he always says the same thing. But uh, Yeah, how about Abishag? I mean, why was Abishag uh, sleeping in David's lap? I mean, what is that a picture of? I mean, could that be what you're talking about there? Well, did you know that's exactly what I'm talking about there, as a matter of fact? Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. That's just a different way to say it. As a matter of fact, amen. yeah, it 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 is a man. Oh my goodness, we're down to ninety seconds. Um, Forgive me. <laughs> well, <laughs> just it wells up inside me, and I have to say it. But. Amen. No. No. No need for forgiveness. Well. Brent, uh, get on here and give us your closing comments before we run out of live airtime. You're first up to bat. Thank you very much. First Peter 4.7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Good night, gentlemen, and thank you. You're most welcome. Tams, your closing comments, please. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask that you keep Brian and Matthew in your prayers. Um, they have a heavy burden, and I ask that you keep them in prayers, that they might have shoulders broad enough. You know, even when Moses was tasked with holding his staff up, he did have assistance. And the assistance that you can offer them most is to keep both of them in prayer, and I ask that you Remember to do that daily. Amen. Amen. Even unto Hallelujah. Amen. Saith the mighty cherubim. Amen. Um, good to have you on, Thames. Uh, sorry that I asked you to crash our party, <laughs> and uh, tell your wife that she has the sweetest of voices. I assure her. Um, Brian, uh, your closing comments, please. Well, just to bring up the uh, – you had to have me bring that up because you just had to say that right then and there. Folks, we're, uh, my wife has made all kinds of entertaining comments throughout history here as we've done programs. It's great to have the background additions in the middle of things. I personally love them, but that just shows what we all are. We're all human. You know, and this kind of wraps back around to the gist of things as I was speaking here in the household. You know, folks, what are the things that are important to you? What is it that you're seeking after? Are you seeking after the will of the kingdom of God or are you seeking after your own will? And you see, as humans, we sometimes get caught in a bit of a bind where we start seeking after our own will. But what is truly God's will in this day. And there's some things that are very simple. You know, when I, and even continuing forward since I started doing this, we have one job where we're feeding the body. And yet, a bigger job, one that's always on my mind on a continual basis, the lost 
folks, and you got to keep casting those nets in whatever direction you can. But you go about that in a way. Well, that's where that fruit of the Spirit kicks in. That's where that love kicks in. You see, because if you're not doing these things out of your heart, well, we're dealing with a circumstance in this day and age that, you know, Matthew had explained last night and pointed some things out. You see, a lot of times people confuse what's been happening with the church, the way they've been treating people as time has progressed here. They confuse that actions with the actions of what it means to be a real Christian. Now, I've dealt with many, many, many a discussion where folks have just looked at me and then looked at the building behind me, and then I've had to shake my head and say, uh, no, 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 you don't understand. Oh, boy, how do I go here? As they continue on to explain everything that's been done to them or done to their family members by varied groups of people, Within the church at whatever time that may be, it's caused an immense amount of damage. That's why you kind of, to a degree, at least with the way I've learned, you start going about things differently. You know, I've been extremely blessed with a few of these people that have come into our lives over the years here. We've got one, one of these kids that just miraculously appeared over time. He he tunes in on a weekly basis. He just can't get enough of what's going on here. And that's kind of the key here, folks, is you know a lot of the mindsets out there is we have to be trained to do this, that, and the other thing. Look, your ministries are surrounding you at all times. And you have to keep that in mind with everything around you, with your actions, and the way you deal with those that randomly will come across your path. Because those things are going to leave an impression, irregardless of what we think. It's going to leave a good impression, or it's going to leave a bad impression. But you got to make certain that fruit of the Spirit that is lining up with your heart, is lining up with what's coming out of your mouth. You know, and the... Um, it's so interesting. I always see the um, infamous... Works argument. Well, folks, sit down and read the book of James because it's actually quite simple. These works become automatic. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. That's part of that love that automatically is going to come forth out of you. Just keep your eyes focused on the things of the kingdom. We get so wrapped up in the things around us in the world that sometimes we get completely distracted. With that said, thanks for joining us. God bless. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brian and I have got a lot to do. Uh, we've got an episode about the capricious sign 2018 to do. We've, of course, got to continue on with WITC Radio. The next broadcast on that is going to be Revelation Chapter 7, The Interlude. Of the sealed and the multitude. We've got the apocalypse of Isaiah to go through. We have endless tasks 
endless task. So uh, if you need things to be covered before that time, uh, shoot Brian and I a message. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's any of the scripture that we talked about tonight, Second uh, Thessalonians or Isaiah or anything. If you have a question about any of those things that we mentioned, maybe the uh, um, the Emmanuel prophecies, uh, whatever. Uh, if you send Brian and I uh, a message, uh, we'll just sweep everything aside and we'll address those personal questions that you have beforehand. Because you know how much time we got, don't you? I'll tell you how much time I got. I got exactly how much time I got coming to me. That's what I got. And I really don't care if that means I have to live till I'm 200 years old. I'll cover everything God has already designed me to cover. Make no mistakes about it. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.